Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the second quarter 2021 conference call for LifeWorks, Inc. Please note that this conference call will contain forward-looking statements, which reflect management's current beliefs and expectations regarding the corporation's future growth and results of operations. Actual results can differ materially from these anticipated. I would now like to turn the meeting over to Mr. Stephen Liptrap, President and Chief Executive Officer of LifeWorks, Inc. Please go ahead, Mr. Liptrap. Thank you, Laurie. Good morning, and thank you for joining us. On the call with me today is Greer Coulter, our Chief Financial Officer. Yesterday, after the markets closed, we released LifeWorks financial results for the second quarter of 2021 and year-to-date. My comments today will focus on the business highlights for the quarter and year-to-date. Greer will cover off the financials in more detail, and then we will open the call to questions. As we build on our brand change and move further into the well-being and digital health spaces, we thought this was the right time to update our reporting, and we hope you appreciate the more detailed information and updated look and feel. We've added new metrics and data about our performance as a world leader in total well-being and provided more insights into our growth from our digital health businesses. We believe this helps tell our story as we execute on an exciting strategic plan where there are uniquely differentiated solutions. This reporting change is timely because it coincides with our first quarter reporting under our new LifeWorks name. Our new brand launch has been extremely well received by our clients, prospects, investors, and our employees around the world. While we're very proud of our past, we are geared up for growth as we continue to own more of the global well-being space and bring together amazing capability with digital and in-person delivery, meeting our clients' employees' needs when and how it suits them. In the second quarter, we saw strong sales growth and continued expansion of our pipeline. Removing foreign exchange volatility, we delivered strong revenue growth. Overall, we saw revenue on a constant currency organic basis grow 7.8% in the quarter and 8.7% year-to-date. Adjusted EBITDA margins for the quarter were down to 19.2% or 19.9% year-to-date. The margin impact is mainly due to an accounting change related to software implementation costs, one-time expenses relating to our brand change, and a very strong demand for our in-person solutions provided to people exiting the COVID lockdown with significant mental health and other challenges. The good news is our multimodality model of delivering the services in the way our clients' employees want and need really resonates. We did see a surge of people wanting to see a counselor face-to-face, which they have not been able to do for 18 months. And we know many deeply value getting the help they need in this way. As further evidence of the power of our model, 
we're able to win over 10 mandates away from new digital-only competitors as they could not meet their client demands for in-person services. We have always believed that to properly support our clients' employees, we need to continually offer a broad range of modalities as their needs are very different. These solutions include in-person, digital, telephonic, email, 24-7 chat, and other AI-driven solutions. We're very pleased with the strong growth we saw in the quarter, and in particular, the growth of our digital well-being solutions. A good measure of that growth is our metric, a tech-enabled recurring revenues, which grew at 7.3% in the quarter, which is close to Q1 if it wasn't for the currency headwinds, and 11.3% for the year-to-date versus the same periods in 2020. Another reporting change we made is providing more detailed financial information on our four lines of business. All our core businesses are delivering to sales and revenue expectations. At the end of the quarter, approximately 5.9 million lives were covered on our LifeWorks platform, a 73.5% increase over Q2 last year. In terms of upselling, some 20% of the organizations on the platform are now paying for extra modules, up from 17% last quarter. We also crossed a 1 million lives covered level for additional value-add modules. Our ICBT solution year-to-date growth is up 419.7%, crossing the 1 million session threshold. The bigger picture is that we are seeing strong adoption of our digital health solutions that go beyond ICBT and now include telemedicine, where we are also starting to win market share. To support that strong growth, we're continuing to invest in the digital capabilities of our platforms against our commitment to become the digital leader in well-being. In July of this year, after a lot of system work, we were excited to announce that we integrated our award-winning LifeWorks application, our digital global total well-being platform into the Microsoft Teams and Microsoft Viva. This integration with Microsoft will enable us to increase the reach of our well-being platform to help clients provide and support their employees. Through prioritizing well-being by using our expert digital resources, individuals will be able to improve life and productivity within their daily workflow. This collaboration also uniquely positions us to create evergreen technology for good and has great potential to further spur our growth in the digital workflow ecosystem. We have seen the need for supportive resources since the beginning of the pandemic, and we are proud to help clients offer the tools they need to empower their people. The real significance of our expanding digital ecosystem is how it improves our ability to offer everything. What's really resonating with our clients is the full spectrum of our capabilities in the personalized continuum that we offer to improve the lives of people. It's not just digital or face-to-face solutions. We offer everything our clients want for the care that their people need in the way they want it. Digital, chat, video, telephonic, face-to-face. Everything is within easy reach. The strategic value of our personalized continuum of care became clearer in the quarter. 
where demand for in-person services took off as lockdowns began to recede. While digital healthcare will keep growing at an accelerated rate, in-person services will continue to be an essential component of the help that people need, especially given the relevance of mental health as a societal issue today. Ten years ago, the idea that the world's most decorated gymnast, Simone Biles, stepping away from Olympics to take care of her mental health would have been very unlikely. Naomi Osaka, Wimbledon, is a similar situation. Clearly, mental health is starting to be talked about, and we should celebrate these athletes and others that show it's okay to ask for help. Another metric that we've highlighted in our new quarterly report is geographic or regional revenues. For some time now, we have been talking about our expectations for regional growth, and broadly speaking, our expectations have settled into ranges that include mid-single-digit growth in Canada, mid- to high single-digit growth in the United States, and double-digit growth internationally. International revenues may not be a large part of our business today compared to Canada or the United States. Five or ten years ago, the same could have been said of our revenues in the United States. Whether it's Australia, Brazil, or many other countries of the more than 160 countries where our solutions are, we are getting more traction. Well-being is verifiably a global opportunity today. In our continuing research for our monthly mental health index, we're seeing more and more organizations around the world making the connection between well-being and business performance. We are poised to capitalize on that growth as we go forward. I would also like to point out that the availability of our mental health index provides a key measure for organizations. It speaks to the S in the ESG framework, We are pleased that a business or brand asset like our index can make significant contributions to the communities in which we operate. And finally, as we did in Q1, we continue to convert strong sales into revenue while continuing to build our sales pipeline. Again, we ended the quarter with a record high pipeline. All in all, a strong quarter and solid year-to-date performance. Let's turn to some business highlights in the quarter. We had another strong quarter in our integrated health solutions business. Organic constant currency revenues were up 9.3% in the quarter and 10.3% year-to-date versus the same period as last year. In this business, we're very pleased to win multiple well-being and telemedicine contracts over the past quarter, much like we did in Q1. This includes new wins with two Western Canadian public sector organizations and one of the world's largest technology distributors. The U.S. health insurer we mentioned last quarter that added telemedicine to their services from us is now in open enrollment for one of their two trusts. Open enrollment for the second trust starts this month. With the addition of the second trust, members that will have access to our telemedicine solution on our platform and has increased from 20,000 reported last quarter to 33,500 members. Our health and productivity business has been on a real tear this year with quarterly organic revenues in constant currency up 19.5% and year-to-date up 20.8% compared to the same periods in the prior year. We continue to see strong uptake in our mental health market-leading ability CBT solution 
with multiple contract wins in Canada and the U.S. The wins in this quarter include another milestone in our partnership with the Government of Ontario to support the province's mental health strategy. We have also seen two significant distribution partnership deals in the U.S. with a Western University. In our administrative solutions, which includes our health and welfare business, we had a strong quarter and excellent constant currency organic growth of 7.2%. There were several significant administration wins where upselling and cross-selling were big themes. We sold many additional special projects for the defined benefit solutions to a global financial company based in the United States. For a large North American industrial company, we now have four solutions on the books that include defined benefits and asset and risk management. In retirement and financial solutions here, we too, we are having a solid year and have been overperforming slightly in Q1 and we underperformed somewhat in Q2. We're essentially on track for the year. New contracts include a Western Canadian government added mandate along with sizable deals with two pension plan administrators. Before handing off to Greer, I want to emphasize a few points about where LifeWorks is going and how we're getting there. First, as a global enterprise, we're moving forward with a new brand as LifeWorks that supports our growth strategy. Our new brand offers a fresh voice that speaks directly to our purpose and a powerful trend in the sector that makes a strong connection between improving lives and improving business. Second, the change in our reporting approach is an opportunity to tell our story as a growth business with deep strengths in bringing our digital technology and talent together to deliver a uniquely differentiated value proposition to our clients. Finally, there are three levers for growth in our business model that gives us confidence in where we're heading. One is a solid core of recurring revenues across our businesses. The second is our accelerating global expansion. And third is our proven ability to grow by innovating with new digital technologies to create market-leading solutions such as our integrated well-being platform. On that note, Greer will review the financials. Thanks, Stephen, and good morning. I'd like to briefly add some context to Stephen's comments about the changes in our reporting format and metrics. Going forward, our news release is where we will net out the highlights for any given period. We will no longer use that format to duplicate information that is more comprehensively provided in the quarterly report. In our redesigned MD&A, we have expanded our reporting to provide additional metrics that we look at as a management team to assess the performance of our business including geographical detail and service line information at the business level. Let's turn to the financials. It was a strong quarter. What stands out for me in the results are two trends in the business that complement one another. The first is how fast our well-being offerings are growing and providing digital health solutions. The second is the return of in-person services, the pent-up demand coming back as lockdown conditions start to recede. Taken together, the growth in digital and high demand for in-person services tell a compelling story that we really can do anything our clients want right across a very broad and personalized continuum of care. We're not only digital or face-to-face, we do it all. And that story is showing up in the revenue growth that we are driving. In Q2, the top line was excellent. 
we reported $257.7 million in revenue, an increase of 4.7% over last year, but considering the strong foreign exchange headwinds, that number was 9.3% on a constant currency basis. Year-to-date, the story is just as strong on the top line with $514.9 million in revenue, a 5.2% increase, and 8.7% on a constant currency basis. Tech-enabled revenues were also strong in both the quarter and year-to-date. You will note that we are providing more information on the impact of currency. It may not always tell a different story, but right now it does, and it's likely to be relevant as we continue to grow this business globally. We continue to be pleased with our revenue growth in all regions that we operate. Organic revenue growth on a constant currency basis in Q2 was 7% in Canada, 6.6% in the U.S., and 28.8% outside North America. Year-to-date, those numbers are 8.6%, 6.6%, and 27%, respectively. Again, all constant currency. Stephen mentioned adjusted EBITDA margins in the quarter and the reasons for the marginal decrease. Adjusted EBITDA was $49.5 million in the quarter and $102.3 million year-to-date. We are up 2.9% year-to-date on adjusted EBITDA, with margins of 19.9%, a decline of approximately 40 basis points year-over-year, again, for the the reasons that Stephen had mentioned in his remarks. Adjusted EBITDA per share this quarter was $0.71 compared to $0.75 in Q2 2020. Profit for the quarter decreased by $49.1 million, primarily driven by the after-tax impact of accelerated amortization recognized in relation to the Chappelle trade name of $51.4 million in the current quarter. Basic earnings per share for the quarter decreased by $0.70 versus the comparative period as a result. During the quarter, the company generated normalized free cash flow of $25.4 million compared to $32.8 million in the same period in 2020, a decrease of $7.4 million which was driven primarily by higher CapEx related to the leasehold improvements for our new corporate office and software development. We are pleased with our management of working capital, and this is a result of the continued focus from our people managing accounts. As an example of this, our average receivables outstanding has declined by eight days year over year. Lastly, the company will continue its policy of paying a monthly dividend of 6.5 cents per share. And with that, I will turn it back to you, Stephen. Uh, thanks, Greer, for your comments. Lori, please go ahead and open the line for questions. Thank you, Mr. Liptrap. We will now take questions from the telephone lines. If you have a question and you're using a speakerphone, please lift your hands up before making your selection. If you have a question, please press star 1 on your device's keypad. You may cancel your question at any time by pressing star 2. Please press star 1 at this time if you have a question. There will be a brief pause while participants register for questions. Thank you for your patience. And the first question is from Stephanie Price from CIBC. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Hi. Good morning. Thanks for all the detail uh, in the MDNA. We uh, we like the new rebranding over here. Um, Just curious about the the year-over-year increase in the number of lives on the LifeWorks platform. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what you're seeing in terms of, of demand for the platform as we hopefully exit the pandemic and any changes in, in kind of what uh, what enterprises are looking at uh, as we exit the pandemic? 
Yeah, thanks for the comment on the uh, MDNA and everything, Stephanie. It was obviously really important to us to do that, and it was good timing with the branding. Uh, in terms of the platform, we're seeing, um, as you've seen, continued in, in, interest over time. When we think back to when we started this um, shortly after the LifeWorks acquisition, we had this concept and this theory that rather than just phoning in for support, it was way better if we could get a platform in front of the employees of our clients. And on that platform, they could have personalized feeds around what they were mostly interested in rather than what others thought they'd be interested, that they could have immediate access to counselors, that they could get all the support and everything. And we've been having the conversation with clients over time. And as you know, the number of people that we cover within our EAP has increased significantly up to you know, just under 15 million direct lives we've covered. And then every single quarter, um, we've been talking to our clients about getting their employees on them. And we're quite excited that we're just under 6 million uh, lives that we've moved on to our enhanced platform. We're getting really, really good feedback. And then, as you would have seen, the rate of clients saying, we'd like some additional modules, we'd like to do more with the platform, and we're willing to pay that, has increased uh, where we're now over a million lives, and our upsell, as we kind of track it, is over 20%. So we continue to get great traction, um, and we continue to be ahead of where I thought we were, but uh, I think there's lots and lots of potential for growth as we go forward. Okay, great. And then in terms of the Microsoft relationship and the, and the Teams integration, just curious if you can give us a little more color on that. So is Microsoft reselling the LifeWorks solution, and how should we kind of think about that, that relationship? Yeah, we're really excited about this. Uh, we spent a fair bit of time uh, getting everything working from a technological standpoint, and we're really excited to announce it recently. Um, as most folks know, there's over 250 people uh, moving teams alone, which is incredible when you think about it. And imagine if you're working in the team's ecosystem and with a click, you can get help and the support you want. You don't need to leave the system. You don't have to think about something else. Um, also, with us being in there, you know, right up beside calendar and right up beside chat and everything, it's a constant reminder to people that there is support at their fingertips. Uh, we've rolled it out to our employees about a quarter ago as a test. And the feedback has been absolutely incredible. We've been starting to take it into prospect presentations, which is really, really positive. We know that we have a lot of overlap between our clients and Microsoft clients. And as we're in there doing those presentations, uh, clients are very, very excited about having something that integrates to the thing that their employees are on every single day. So when I think about it, I think there's an opportunity around winning more and increasing our win rate because of having a more integrated opportunity as we think about prospects. Then when I think about our current clients, it's really about an opportunity to get more of them on the platform because the platform becomes more powerful. And then, frankly, a lot of those cases – uh, we will be delivering a uh, more digital solution, so it will also help us with margins over time as well. Um, yes, there are agreements in place with Microsoft, and we will have opportunities to expand on that a little bit, but uh, I think there's a lot of things that will come to fruition over the next many, many quarters that will make this a great deal for us. Okay, great, thanks. And then just last one for me, maybe for Greer, um, just on EBITDA margins in the quarter. Seems like there were some puts and takes here. Uh, maybe some of it was non-recurring. Could you kind of walk us through um, those three list of three three things that you mentioned, and maybe also as a follow-up, can you talk a little bit about the margin differential between the in-person work and the virtual care? 
Yeah, and Stephanie, and I'll flip it to Greer in a second. I just wanted to make one quick comment because in an odd way, I think the margins being down was actually some really good news because, you know, one of the key drivers in there was a huge demand for what we do that is so different than anyone what anyone else does. And it's the fact that we do both digital and in-person. And sure, our cases in the quarter were up 18% and the costs associated with that you know, but from there, we saw 10 wins come over from digital-only competitors. And if you think about it, in the middle of COVID, we were able to compete with digital-only competitors. And now post-COVID, we're able to easily compete as we have before with folks who deliver in-person services. But we're really the only ones who do both of those. So I'll take the short-term cost increase any day because it does remind me of what we do. And I do think it's going to play out on the long run. And frankly, I think those short-term increases in cases will normalize. And if they don't, then we have an easy conversation with our clients around taking more pricing because they're just paying for the services they get. And then on top of that, you know, you take a look at the software implementation costs that I know Greer will talk about, which is now expense and it used to be capital, and then a one-time thing around brand. So I just want to give you a little bit of my color before I turn it over to Greer. That's good color. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Stephen. So, uh, Steph, what I would say is uh, it was really, you know, three main factors. The first one's pretty simple. So we spent about a million dollars in the quarter on rebranding. The work's done, so that's uh, not something that will reappear in uh, Q3 and beyond. Uh, so that would have impacted the margin by 30 or 40 basis points. So that was clearly non-recurring. The second item that I'll talk to is... Uh, is an accounting change, and so um, you know what what this is is basically if you think of integration costs associated with cloud-based software. So in our case, um, Amazon Connect, Zscaler, these type of uh, names that we were doing work to configure uh, and integrate into our ecosystem here. Previously, the accounting rules uh, gave latitude to either expense or capitalize. Um, we felt that because these had uh, future benefit that our policy was to capitalize, which was clearly within the, the guidelines of the rules. They clarified uh, the guidance in April, uh, narrowed it, and said, you know, if it's integration costs associated with cloud-based, really the rationale is that you don't own the code. And so that distinction, um, uh, now you're no longer able to capitalize those costs. So in the quarter those would have been about 2 million, give or take, so brought the margin up by, call it 80 basis points. And and these types of items are going to continue for us. I mean, the, these were uh, good investments with good IRRs, and uh, when we started the year, we, th we thought they would be capital. Now they're OPEX. But in terms of you know how we run this business and trying to create returns and do smart things, it really has no impact whatsoever in terms of where. And, and accordingly, obviously, the CapEx on the other side would come down by those amounts. It's just uh, a question of where they appear in the accounts. Um, for the year, so this was, we were doing a little bit more in Q2. So as I said, it impacted about 80 basis points. For the year, it'll probably be more like 50 basis points. And um, what I would say is this will probably, we'll always be spending on this type of expense. So in the longer run, it's probably something like that number. Maybe it's a, you know, a little bit less than 50 basis points. Um, you know, we are on a fairly aggressive path to, 
path to evolve our uh, our tech stack into uh, more of a cloud type approach. But I mean, this is always going to be something that we'll continue to work on. So I think the, that's more of a permanent thing. But again, it's just an accounting thing. And then, yeah, I think Stephen talked a little bit. This is a, a, a mix of you know cases coming back and uh, how we uh, manage them, and you know the mix of counselors and the way that in the modality that we're driving, and that uh, you know was a, a, about uh, three million dollars uh, if I look at it in isolation, and so that was bringing it up. And there's obviously a, you know 20 other puts and takes in there, but uh, as Stephen said, I think you know. We'll continue to monitor this really closely. I think uh, the cases may subside, but I think uh, in the longer run, if they if they don't, you know, it's a good thing. The services are proving to be very relevant in today's marketplace, and we have an ability to get pricing. Um, and you know, the way I look at it is, you certainly don't want it to go the other way, where you know people are not utilizing the services and we come up for renewal and the price goes down. I mean, this is the way we want this to go, but uh, that's something that we need to manage. So I. That's a lot of stuff in there, stuff. Hopefully that was uh, somewhat helpful. Yeah, no, that's great color. Thanks. Thank you. The next question is from Etienne Ricard from BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Etienne, good morning. Good morning, it's great, it's great to see the new disclosure on uh, ICBT with about $4 million in revenues in, in Q2. How, how much of that would be related to your initial government wins, uh, government contract wins in Ontario and Manitoba, and and how have you been able to scale this product over the past uh, over the past year? Yeah, yeah Stephen here. Um, obviously, a large piece of that is uh, both the Ontario contract and the Manitoba contract. However, uh, we are seeing every week and every month and throughout the quarter wins with um, kind of two groups. So we're seeing wins with other organizations wanting to add ICBT onto an EAP offering. Again, selling it as a one-off thing just confuses employees. So if you're able to do it as an add-on as we talk about the continuum of care, that's very valuable. So we do see that coming into play. We also see that we're starting to get some wins down in the U.S. as we rolled into the U.S., and the other exciting thing for me, and this is very early on, is we're starting a lot of traction with U.S. health plans as they think about this as delivering solutions for folks coming into those health plans. But again, at this point in time, because a lot of those are ramping up and getting going, uh, the majority of it would be the government contracts that we have in place. Okay, great. Um, and in terms, and, and congrats on the partnership with, with Microsoft. What utilization rate improvement have you seen from clients, um, or, or I guess I should say, what um, what utilization rate improvements are you expecting from from this uh, uh, initiative? You know, integrating the LifeWorks platform onto Teams. Yeah, the shift that I think we're on, and it's a little bit of a longer term journey, is. Rather than people looking at, hey, how many employees went to see a counselor, the question that we should be answering is how many employees got the help they needed. And that help could be, I read an article about anxiety, so I don't need to go see a counselor. <clears throat> or I'm on the recognition platform, and I now feel part of an organization, so I don't need that help and support. So we really need to start 
<clears throat> thinking far more about how many people are we helping, how many people are we reaching. So we're starting to track all of that. We're starting to provide that to our clients. Uh, and I think Microsoft, the partnership, will just ramp that up. If you think about, you know, I can tell you personally when I'm on Teams and every month I get a report telling me how many quiet days I had or how many uh, how much I was on email after hours or things like that. Imagine if I also got some solutions and some ideas, and we're going to be able to provide that as part of this. So I think the the utilization, the help, and the support will ramp up substantially, but it's going to be our digital delivery. It's not going to be as much of the in-person thing. Uh, so it should help us both on utilization and on margins. Okay, and, and with increased demand for, for, you know, for mental health, resources how how are you thinking about scaling up your internal counselor base relative to extending the number of partnerships um, with third parties yeah it's a great question uh, the first thing I would say is we are one of the few organizations that have really taken the approach of having a large uh, basis of our own staff counselors. And, you know, we've done that because we just have a firm belief that allows us to deliver better quality for our clients. And frankly, uh, we're also able to do it at a cheaper rate as a result of doing that. With the demand for services going up, we, and, you know, back in the last quarter, we substantially updated our recruiting efforts. Um, and we are tracking on a regular basis how many recruits we're bringing in every week. Uh, we're making a lot of progress against that. Um, and as we ramp that up, we'll also have an improvement on margins because, again, we're able to deliver those services way more efficiently through staff. Um, but in the past quarter, it does take time for those folks to ramp up and everything. So we see that improvement will take place over the next couple quarters. But it's a key area of focus and I believe a key differentiator of ours. And, and could you remind us what is the difference in terms of the margin whether the service is performed in-house relative to uh, leveraging your third-party uh, relationships? Yeah, I'll give you a cost perspective. Our cost is about a third less. So we're a third cheaper by delivering through our own staff counselors than we would be through using what we call an affiliate network. Great. All right. Well, thank you for your comments. Thanks, Etienne. Thank you. The next question is from Graham Riding from TD Securities. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Uh, hi. Good morning. Morning. Um, just like to reiterate, uh, the improved disclosure is uh, definitely well received on on our end. Much better. Um, that my first question just be on the on the ICBT side. Um, it was definitely strong growth when we look at it on uh, you know a year over year basis, both for the quarter and year to date. It did. It, I think it dropped quarter over quarter. I'm just wondering what uh, what drove that. Yeah, and the easy answer on that, Graham, is the quarters last year uh, just become a little bit more of a difficult comparison. Uh, we won a lot of the government contracts a year ago, so um, in the first quarter, you're not really comparing year over year versus this quarter where we're starting to. Okay, understood. And then, um, did I catch your comments correctly? I, like, I understand that that Ontario contract was recently put up for RFP. Did I did I hear you correctly that you successfully renewed that contract? Uh, that's right, Graham. So it's uh, an extension of seven months. 
Okay, great. And is it still a shared program or any details on, I believe you're sharing it before. Have you got, is it exclusive or is it still a shared program going forward? Yeah, it's still shared. So it's uh, it's 50-50 share with the uh, same party that we've been sharing uh, to date. So yeah, no change in that regard. Okay. And then in terms of um, new wins, you know, you made some comments. I think last quarter you won a, a U.S. Um, ICBT mandate and you provided some comments, I think, about targeting um, U.S. health plans. Are you referring to you know, the, the pipeline there or are you actually successfully winning uh, further mandates in the U.S. Um, like in the quarter? Uh, yes, we had some uh, wins in the quarter, Graham, and uh, we've got some health plan announcements uh, that should be coming out a little bit later, but uh, we're just kind of putting the final touches on them. But we were uh, quite pleased with some progress we made in the quarter. Okay, great. And then my, just my last question, just the, the Australian acquisition, um, SMG, <clears throat> how much was that? Uh, how much did that have, like in terms of a revenue impact? And does that get backed out when you sort of break out your organic uh, growth rate? Yeah, it's uh, just looking at it here, Graham. So in the quarter, it would have been, you know, give or take about four million in revenue. Is that higher than expected, or is that in line? It's in, it's uh, it's a little bit better than expected, but largely in line. But it's performing really well. We're super happy with it. Perfect. That's it for me. Thank you. Thanks, Graham. Thank you. Once again, please press star 1 on your device's keypad if you have a question or comment. The next question is from James Gloin from National Bank Financial. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Yeah, thanks. Uh, um, really exciting stuff with the Microsoft partnership, I think, uh, in terms of a, uh, a new channel. Um, obviously, early dates here on that front, uh, but thinking longer term about this channel, are there, uh, are there discussions or opportunities with other providers of teams like universes and, uh, and also uh, other providers of uh, app source uh, uh, cloud-based software uh, distribution? Yeah, James, it's uh, Stephen here. I think yes on all fronts. Um, I think obviously, you know, we will spend a lot of time and really double down on how do we fully leverage this partnership. And I think it's an opportunity, as I said, to uh, win more and continue to improve our win rate. It's an opportunity to move more clients onto our platform as an opportunity to add on modules for clients as well when their people are all in that system. And I think it's also an opportunity to continue to improve margins with more digital delivery. So we will go down that route for sure. We're also excited around uh, AppSource and the fact that we've got our ability solutions in Ariel on that platform. So small and medium-sized organizations uh, can pick up some of our solutions there. So I think it gives us a nice channel there. And we are in, um, you know, we will continue to look for other partnerships that are similar to this. Uh, but again, I do think we should spend a fair bit of time making sure we fully realize all the benefits from this, just with the fact of 250 million people being on Teams uh, and growing at a substantial rate. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, James. Thank you. There are no further questions registered at this time. I'll turn the meeting back over to Mr. Liptrap. Thank you, Laurie. 
In summary, we had a good quarter that has contributed to strong year-to-date growth. I'd like to end by expressing my thanks to everybody on the call. We continue to appreciate your interest in our company, and we look forward to other opportunities in the future, including these calls, to keep you up to date on what we're doing to drive our growth and success as a business. Thank you. Thank you. The conference is now ended. Please disconnect your lines at this time, and we thank you for your participation. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.